Namo tasa bhagavato arato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arato Sama Sambudhasa Buddhang Sarangachami Tamang Sarangachami Sanghang Sarangachami Dutyampi Buddhang Sarangachami Dutyampi Daman Sananga Chami Dutyampi Sanghang Sananga Chami Tatyampi Buddhang Sananga Chami Tatyampi Daman Sananga Chami Tatyampi Sanghang Sananga Chami Anatipata Veremini Sekapadam Samadayami Adenadana Veremini Sekapadam Samadayami Kamesu Nechachara
Okay. So, who remembers what happened last week? It's a long time ago. <laughs> Is that all right? Um, yeah, so someone about to say something about what you remember from last week. Do you remember that I was holding the microphone in my hand the whole time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, don't, don't be shy. It can be any, anything great or small. I introduced you to, yeah, four tetrads. Yeah, it's a bit complicated, isn't it? So yeah, I talked a bit about the sutta and where it came from, um, historically kind of what was going on at the time in India and particularly um, among uh, the Buddha and his disciples that uh, inspired the Buddha to share these teachings and introduced you to the 16 contemplations uh, that are broken into four sets of four. Yeah? And they're, they're based on the four foundations of mindfulness and we started to explore the first one which we'll continue to explore a bit more this evening. Good? Anything else that you remember? I heard you say Buddhist camp. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, it did feel like that. <laughs> yeah, we did a body scan. Yeah, we did a body scan, good. And that was useful, wasn't it, to just kind of arrive. And even, even in the body scan, people were starting to notice sort of how we are with ourselves um, in relation to the body, in relation to physical sensations, what arises um, there in the mind. So that was interesting. We did a bit of inquiry. Um, I asked the group to say a bit about what they noticed and we had a bit of a conversation about that. <coughs> okay, anything else? Yeah, good. So we had an overview of the course, which included insight dialogue as a tool, yeah? And I think the point that I was making last week, which I'll make again tonight, is that um, I think, you know, as Sometimes we can come to meditation and think, here I am on my cushion, completely set off from the rest of the world doing my meditation practice. But it's not really like that, is it? I mean, I don't know about you, but as soon as I sit down to meditate, the first thing usually that comes to mind is other people. What I said to them, what they said to me, how annoying they were, or whatever. <laughs> so they're there, and we're probably in their minds as well. So we're, um, we're practicing together, and we can use that, actually. So that Bonte's emphasis on spiritual friendship as an opportunity to um, discover together our practice over and over again in, in new and exciting ways every time we meet each other. Um, so there's that opportunity over the course to do some insight dialogue which I'll be introducing tonight and we'll start tonight. We'll start that practice this evening. Okay, good. I think that pretty much covers it. Um, so yeah, and also I think I said a bit about the breath. Um, so we explored the quality of the breath. Um, we got interested and curious about what is the breath um, and what is our relationship to the breath. You also asked us to keep a diary for meditation. Yes, I asked you to keep a meditation diary. And did you do that? Yes, I did. And did you find that useful? Um, it, it's okay if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, good. So you could just keep doing it and see if yeah. it's if you find it useful. It's encouraging. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes what's more useful actually is going back and reading it over uh, a little bit into the course or even that's, years that's later. Really 
Yeah, yeah, good. And I think it, you might find it useful as well as we start to engage with the insight dialogue. It might help you to, to kind of think, oh, maybe I'll bring that to the group and explore it further with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, so tonight what I'd like to do is I'd like to do a bit more um, grounding in the body. But I want to do that through uh, the practice of just sitting. So raise your hand if you know what just sitting is as a practice. Okay, good. So most of the room kind of, sort of. Okay. Um, so who wants to say what they think that practice is? And don't say it's self-explanatory. Because <laughs> there's also just vegging out, which is not the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, good. So it's more open. Yeah, it's more open and there's more curiosity about everything that's coming and going. I wouldn't say actually in the just sitting practice that there's more curiosity because I would I would say you've got to bring curiosity to, to the object if you have an object. But in a way, um, you're just being in, you're like really interested in whatever is coming and going rather than the um, instruction in, for example, the mindfulness of breathing where you're actually coming back to the breath. Um, over and over again. So in, in the just sitting, what you're doing is you, you're just relaxing into kind of, a, you could say, a field of awareness that includes everything that's arising through the sense doors, including the mind. So it includes bodily sensations, sounds, taste, um, smell, hearing, uh, images in the eyes. And even if you're doing, you could do the practice with the eyes open, but even if you're doing it with the eyes closed, it's really interesting to see actually um, to notice there are, is still a lot of activity in the eyes with the eyes closed. So there can be f colors and shapes and a sense of light and darkness and movement. Um, and then finally the mind. Uh, so thoughts arising and passing in the mind. Um, as they do, as actually quite similarly to, to anything else arising in the, through the sense door. So, um, in the just sitting practice, we can get to a point where we're actually experiencing thoughts in the same way that we might experience a bird song. So it comes, it has its kind of moment, and then it goes, yeah? So thought, you can experience thoughts in that same way uh, if there's enough uh, of an established kind of um, foundation of calm and focus, yeah? The problem is that most of the time we're chasing after thoughts. Larry Rosenberg talks about it like a, a dog chasing a bone. So we're like dogs chasing at these plastic bones that give us no sustenance, but actually we could just watch the bones kind of <laughs> getting thrown over and over again. Um, so we'll, yeah, I'd like to explore that a bit more because um, one of the things that's important as meditators is that we gain confidence in our capacity to know when it's appropriate to focus in on something and do a more focused meditation, like in the mindfulness of breathing, focusing in on the breath, and when it's appropriate to just open and have that more open, broad, um, sometimes referred to as open monitoring, that breath of experience um, coming and going. And it may be that sometimes 
uh, when we're meditating, one or the other is more appropriate depending on what our, what our mind is up to. Or it may be that you're doing the mindfulness of breathing and then intuitively you just feel, oh, I'd like to just kind of open and broaden. Or maybe that you're doing it in this room and there's people stomping around upstairs and construction happening outside and you spend half the meditation frustrated because you're trying to focus on your breath and you're getting distracted. And actually, what if you just opened and just took all of that in, yeah? So you could do that. You could just open for a bit and then come back to the breath, yeah? So it's, I think it's quite important as meditators that we learn those two skills and how to do that, how to move between the two things. That kind of laser sharp focus and then, ah, oh, broad awareness, and trust that we can hold that as well. Um, so yeah, we'll just do, we'll do a bit of practice around that. And then I just also want to say something about metta. Um, so as is the case sometimes when you write descriptions for courses months before you're leading them, uh, things change. <laughs> so I think the description said that we were going to be exploring um, through both practices, the Anapanasati and the Metta Bhavna, but actually we're not going to be doing any formal Metta sits or instruction on this course. Um, what I would encourage you to do is to just bring an attitude of Metta to the practice. So I think that we have this false um, dichotomy between mindfulness of breathing and Metta Bhavna that it doesn't actually describe what's happening in both of those practices. So in both of those practices, we need the capacity um, and we need to develop the capacity to focus in on the object, be it another person that we're generating metta towards, or at least trying to, um, or the breath. And we also need uh, kindness. So in the mindfulness of breathing, we need to have um, and to cultivate and develop an attitude of kindness towards ourselves in the practice, um, an appreciation for what's arising in our experience, a kindness towards what's arising a non-judgmental attitude. Um, and I'm sure I, I'm preaching to the choir when I say that that's much e more easily said than done. So the metta bhavna helps us to do that. It helps to kind of um, practice that, kind of build that muscle so that we can do that towards ourselves in that practice. And then the other way around as well, the mindfulness of breathing helps to build the muscle of focus so that we can really um, yeah, really be with people in the, in the metta bhavna practice, be as fully with them in our imagination at least as we can. So, you know, it's not on the handout, but I would say in addition to all the other practices you're doing at home, uh, you know, starting with or ending with a bit of metta and then bringing in that attitude more fully in the practice um, is also encouraged, yeah. Um, so shall we, shall we play with this a bit, uh, this idea of, of the, the open awareness through the body? I want to just read this quote from um, Lama Govinda as well, because I brought him in last week and I just think he's really fantastic on this. And it's quite poetic as well, which I appreciate. So he says, the body is, so to say, the stage between heaven and earth on which the psycho-cosmic drama is enacted. For the knowing one, the initiate, it is the sacred stage of an unfathom unfathomably deep mystery play. It is the sacred stage of an unfathomably deep mystery play. And it is for this reason that the knowledge, or what is more, the conscious experience of this body, 
is of such paramount importance for the meditator and for everybody who wants to tread the path of meditation. The body is rendered conscious through the spiritualization of prajna in its most accessible form in the process of breathing. So, yeah, I just think, wouldn't it be fantastic if we all related to our bodies as the sacred stage of an unfathomably deep mystery play? It is quite mysterious what the body is. So let's explore it now through just sitting. I'll lead us through an exploration. What we'll do is we'll, I'll lead us through an exploration of all, this, all the senses as a way of arriving in the body through a more broad, open awareness. So you can do this practice with your eyes open, but I'd encourage you to just start with the eyes closed just as a way to arrive. And we'll just begin by arriving through a short body scan, so beginning with the points of contact with the floor. Touching into the quality of stillness in the ground beneath us. The earth has this fantastic quality of just a very deep stillness that we can always access at any moment. So just allowing ourselves to tune into that stillness and perhaps even draw a bit of it up into our own being through the points of contact with the floor. And then from this foundation of stillness, just allowing the spine to rise up out of the pelvis. It's opening across the shoulders, across the chest, allowing the shoulders to fall down and away from the ears. head upright, held with dignity. And just encouraging a soft face, open, curious. And then just for a short while, bringing attention to the breath just as a way to allow us to arrive in the body a bit more. As we did last week, just getting very curious about the quality of the breath, how it is just now, without needing to do anything about it.
So first I just like to invite you to open up completely to the experience of sounds. So first just notice that you don't have to try. Sounds will just arrive in your awareness. as we open to sounds you could also just notice what the mind wants to do with the sounds the mind is like a helpful librarian that wants to categorize everything is it looking for a label for the sounds So just see if you can't go back to a direct experience of the sound before thought, before words. Just the raw sensation arising and passing. How far can you hear? How close? Now bringing awareness to the eyes. (coughs) If you'd like, you can open the eyes and just maintain a soft focus. Or you can keep them closed. Just see what's there without straining or trying.
and then smell and taste. These can be quite subtle, but just see if there's anything there as you bring awareness to that sense. And then bodily sensations. So to help us here, we can begin by noticing the sensations of breathing as we do in the third stage of the mindfulness of breathing. So just all the sensations that come and go as the breath enters and exits the body. And then as you feel ready, just expanding to include the whole of the body. So sensations of pressure where the body meets the floor or the chair. Perhaps unpleasant sensations where you feel tense, where there might be physical pain. pleasant sensations, or perhaps you feel at ease, or there's a sense of movement of energy in the body. Neutral, so places that don't, you don't have any sense of anything. Sometimes this can be interesting to explore, like the elbow or the back of the ear. And then very subtle sensations, so maybe just really subtle tingling or clothing rubbing up against the skin. Temperature. Movement. So as we wake up to this unfathomably deep mystery play, we can also just be curious about what's actually there in our direct experience. So just being really interested in what it is to be embodied, how that experience actually is just now. Again, peeling back the labels of conceptual overlay.
And if at any time you feel really distracted and lost, you can always come back to the breath as an anchor in the practice and then just open out again when you feel ready. And then finally, looking into the mind as well as a sense. And just noticing, seeing if we can't relate to thoughts just as things that arise and pass in the mind without latching onto them. So we've taken a bit of time to explore each of the six sense doors. And now I just want to invite you to just open to all six sense doors. So sound, sight, smell, taste, bodily sensations, thoughts. Sometimes it can help to take a deep breath into the heart center. gives us a sense of expansion, opening. And then as you breathe out, just aware of the breath as it exits the body, expanding outward, maybe even following the air out beyond what we perceive as the limits of the body. So being with the fullness of the experience of a body, a mind, sitting here just now and all that that experience contains within it. Just trusting that we can hold all of that in awareness and metta.
If there's any sense of straining or making any effort here, just try and drop that completely. Just trust in the effortlessness of being, simply being. Okay, so would anyone like to share something that you noticed during that practice? Anything that um, was sort of like, oh. Did you notice during the practice that you, was there like a moment where you thought, oh, I could use a bit of metta just now? So you noticed. Yeah. So you were aware of thinking. Yeah, at times. Uh, what I'm saying is, I was aware of being lost in a thought. Yeah. So I can kind of sit there perfectly kind of calm and thinking, oh, I'm doing all right here. Yeah. I'm going to be aware of my thoughts. And then suddenly, bang, I'm aware. Yeah. I'm lost in it. That's into a thought. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. That's one of the dangers of this yeah. practice is because we're opening up and we're saying, okay, let's just watch the thoughts come and go like clouds in the sky. It all sounds very nice, isn't it? And then we're like on the cloud. We've been taken off by the cloud. It's more like a flying carpet. Um, and it can have that kind of energy. So I just really want to encourage you to, like we wouldn't judge ourselves for hearing the tram outside, would we? We just hear it. And it's like, oh, there's the tram. <laughs> or a bird or a car honking, yeah? So in this practice, it's the same thing. It's, you know, even when you've been off with the thought, it's like, oh, that my mind was doing what it does. How miraculous. It wants to think, and it wants me to be interested and involved in that. And then something else happens, doesn't it? So something comes in that knows that it's thinking, that there's thinking, yeah? So that's quite mysterious. So you could actually look when you notice that you're thinking when you wake up in that, um, what we call at Breathworks, the magic moment, when you wake up in that magic moment of awareness, oh, I've been lost in a thought. You could actually just get really curious about, like, how do I know I'm thinking? What knows right now? 
look for that. Look for, you could even look for the knower, look for the observer, look for the watcher, yeah? So there's a, there's a whole interesting thing of the fact that we have a mind that, that's conscious of itself, like what makes us human, yeah? So that whole operating system, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time goes, is happening in the background un, that we're not even aware of, yeah? So this practice is a great way to just, oh, all this is happening, and I know it's happening. <laughs> okay, good. Any other things that you noticed? I thought it was really good to do it sort of um, one at a time and just break down the senses. Yeah. Just be really, really aware and focused, and then by the time it came to the end, when you're kind of taking it all in and just being receptive to everything. Yeah. Yeah, so you appreciated breaking it down yeah. sense by sense, yeah. 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 So just to say, um, I do want to make a point of clarification here, because for the purposes of the course, and to introduce you to kind of the idea of just sitting with everything, I did break it down by the senses, but the just sitting practice doesn't have to be done like that. No, it's just no, more of a no, tool. No, yeah. I'm just saying that to actually do it like that yeah. is just quite a, an easy way to sort of get yeah. Yeah. So what did? Nice yeah. So that's interesting. So what do you think that was about? Why do you think it had that effect? Well, well, because um, uh, because my mind was was dwelling on something that mm. I wanted, mm. and the concentration. Um, yeah. I suppose. I suppose. Uh, yeah. I suppose I was probably thinking a bit too much when I get, when I came and had a lot of stuff on the mind. Yeah. And then just to. Um, yeah, do it in, in kind of stages. Yeah. You know, rather than just, there's, there's sometimes I get a little bit pressurized by meditation, so I kind mm. of think, I'm going to meditate, okay, it's not working, I feel really edgy, I can't do it. Mm. And it's almost like trying to take, trying to get, arrive at the point mm. that you need to be at as soon as you start meditating. Yeah. more sort of um, paced. Yeah, that's one of the really helpful things about just sitting. It like, it gives us a chance to just see what's there, like what are we arriving with? Um, what is happening yeah. in the senses yeah. um, and that's a, there's that great saying isn't there come back to your senses yeah, yeah. so in a way that's exactly what we're doing well the senses you know by nature when you concentrate on your body you know you're yeah. in the moment so yeah. it automatically kind of brings you back yeah that's right and the science sh is showing that now so come back into the body apparently you can't be lost in thought and aware of physical sensations in the body at the same time mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah good Okay, good. So we're going to stop with that because I'd like to move on to um, preparing us for Insight Dialogue so that we can then have a break and then go right into our groups. Um, so yeah, so just to say, because I'm glad you said the thing about the six senses because um, I did want to say, you know, you don't have to do the practice that way in a way that was just kind of for us to do in the class just to give you a sense, but it can just be five minutes of literally just opening up to everything. And you could go through each sense quite quickly to do that. It's kind of like checking them off the list, okay. Sound, sight, smells, taste, touch, thoughts, and then just, ah, oh, what's there? Opening, yeah? And it's really good to do at the beginning of meditation. It's really good to do at the end as a way to kind of just relax, stop efforting, come back to the senses if you have been lost in thought. So if you do a 40-minute mindfulness of breathing where you were lost in thought for 39 minutes and 30 seconds, <laughs> then at least for the last 30 seconds as you do the just sitting, you can just come back to the body and relax. Um, and then it can also be done in the middle of a meditation. 
So we also have this idea like, right, I'm doing 40-minute meta bhavna. I'm going to do, what is that, eight, eight minutes per stage. It's not right, is it? <laughs> is it? Yeah. Eight minutes per stage. Um, you know, go. And it's like, well, actually, in the middle of that, you're just so frustrated. You feel like, I can't do this. You got, you're edgy. Oh, just let go. Just relax. Take a few breaths. Open out. And then maybe you come back. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just hang out in that for the next 35 minutes. So it's your practice. Like, no one's standing over you, you know, taking notes. Just do what feels right. Um, and then also, it is a practice in and of itself, in its own right. Uh, it is a practice. Sometimes um, the more taking it as a practice in and of itself um, can be referred to as well as pure awareness practice, sometimes referred to. Um, so there's other applications and kind of other, there's also more um, instructions how to work in that way. I'm not going to be doing that in this course, um, but again, you could explore that in your own kind of studies. Yeah. So that's just a little kind of taster. Um, and now you, you know, you know, you've got that skill to use. Um, yeah, so just want to introduce insight dialogue. And um, yeah, I'm really wanting to encourage us to think of the practice in terms of self and other. So this part allows us to also engage in the other aspect. But then we also get something from it. So we learn from each other, yeah? I'm sure you've all had an experience of that. So there's, the, there's six kind of traditional stages, one could say. This is all from um, this book by G uh, Gregory Kramer called Insight Dialogue. And um, I'll just go over the six stages, although I even hesitate to call them stages because uh, in a way it's more like a mandala and you can come back to any one of them at any time. Um, but I'll just go through what they are. So the first is quite obvious. <laughs> Although, um, even I marvel at how many times I forget to do this. So the first is just to pause. If you can't see this, um, actually maybe I'll pull it forward a bit. But feel free to move as well if you can't see it. Hmm. Is that all right? You got your notes, yeah. So the first is just to pause. So this is like, literally, um, well, in the context of, of the groups, it could be that someone or you is kind of going on and on. And maybe it's just like, oh, can we just take a pause? Or something really interesting just got said, or really important just got said. And anyone could just ask, oh, I'd just like to pause there. So just pause, just create a natural break in either our own internal dialogue or um, even amongst or with others. So just stopping, pausing. The next is to relax, which it's very hard to say to someone, relax, because oftentimes when we say relax, we just get more tense. <laughs> but really what this means is um, come back. So pause, come back, come back to the body, come back to the points of contact with the floor. Do what we know how to do to calm the body, to come into ease, come into peace, contentment, yeah? So again, we're all trained to do that. We know how to do that. So we can do that anytime. We can just open out to the six senses, whatever we find that works for us, yeah? So pause, relax, and then open. So from this place of presence, uh, stillness, calm, then we can, ah, oh, then the heart can start to open 
the mouth can start to open. Um, we can just kind of, everything can be a bit more spacious, you could say. So these first three steps of uh, insight dialogue I like to refer to as the calming or samatha aspects. So they would help us arrive and be present. And then the next three are, you could say, more of the um, insight or vipassana aspects of the practice. So the first is to trust emergence. which is quite a mysterious uh, instruction. So I don't know about you, but um, I tend to preempt about 99.9% .9 of my experiences. So I get off the tram, I'm walking to the Buddhist Center, and I think I know what that experience is actually going to be, but I actually have no idea. Um, I don't even know if I've actually looked at the center from the outside. So I see a building, and my mind decides it's a building, and then it's just there, it's just a building. But do we actually take things in and just allow them to come to us, allow them to uh, be known fully? So we can do this as well with our own internal experience. So we think we know what anger is, we think we know what frustration is, we think we know what happiness is. But can we actually tune in to the felt sense in the body and just trust that whatever wants to be known, whatever's calling for our attention, will emerge, will speak to us if we just Trust that it will be there, and then the next step is to listen deeply. Um, so, Vanessa, I'm going to pick on you for a second, if you don't mind. <laughs> so you said um, one thing that you notice when you sit down to meditate is, yeah. I can't do this. No, that was tonight. That was the oh, that was that. tonight. The mood you were in tonight. Yeah. So that was where I was tonight. Yeah, good. So tonight you, you had this thing of, oh, I'm, I'm full up for my day, I just can't. So in the trust emergence and listen deeply part of the insight dialogue, we would actually, in a way, we would take that as, a, um, as an object of, of interest and curiosity. Oh, I can't. What part of me doesn't think that she can? Can, you know, listen more deeply to that voice because there's something in there, there's a wisdom in there actually, there's something that wants to be known. So we could do that with each other. Sometimes when I engage in insight dialogue, um, I'll be in a group and there'll be someone that has something really, that they're really energetic about, that they're talking about blah, 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 blah. And then this other thing happened. And then, but blah, 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 this more interesting thing. And I tend to kind of hone in on that. Well, what was that other thing? That sounds really interesting. What was that about? And then the more we talk about it and explore it, there's something there. So often the things that we're kind of skipping over or blocking out or don't want to go towards, don't, aren't necessarily sure if we want to go there or we're interested in that, um, are the very things that if we brought it into our, our attention, kind of brought it into front focus, um, would actually unlock something quite uh, important, quite meaningful for us. I mean, we have to use wisdom in that. You know, we have to trust ourselves enough to know that we can do that. And maybe it's more like a dance. Maybe it's just sort of edging in and then backing off. Um, so we help each other with that. So part of it is also kind of getting permission to dig around, which I think I asked for permission, or maybe I just said I'm going to pick on you. But you seemed all right with it. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, that's all part of listening deeply. The other, another part of it is like, um, what's not being said? That's interesting. So what's like, what can you pick up on through body language? Um, or the space between words? Yeah? <clears throat> and then finally, share what matters or what's important. 
So when we do the insight dialogue, we'll always be using one particular question. I think the question on your um, overview is what's emerging for you as you engage in the practice. We're going to use a different question tonight as just a kind of general reporting in question. But there's something about, you know, a lot of stuff can be happening, um, but what really matters? What's really, what really wants our attention? What really wants to be known? So this is where we're doing more of the insight practice, more of the emergence. Okay, so that's the steps of the practice. And now I just want to do a little quick thing around how we are with each other in these groups. Um, I meant to say this earlier, and I didn't, so I'll say it now. Everything that I'm sharing with you, you could apply to meditation as well as to interaction with others. So the insight dialogue is also, you could just do as a meditation on your own, following those steps. And these um, suggestions are also um, very appropriate to how we work within our meditation. So the first is, um, these are levels of listening, so how, how we can listen. So the first is distracted. So um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll be listening, listening to someone, and I'm either rehearsing what I'm going to say in response to what they are saying, planning um, the next thing I'm going to be doing, <laughs> and sort of smiling and nodding, or um, just totally not present with them at all. Like, I don't even take in what they say. So that could be for lots of different reasons, practical as well as um, more like things going on within ourselves. So it could just be that we can't hear. Um, because there's other noises around, or, or it could just be because we're really distracted, actually, that we've got other things going on, which is fine. Um, but in a way, it's like if we're distracted, we can't really be present with that person. So um, we could just say, actually, I'm not, I mean, I wouldn't suggest this in your groups, but just in general, as a tip. You could just say to someone, you know, I'm really distracted right now. I can't, I can't give you the attention you need. Can we make another time to talk? I don't know how many of us actually do that. I'm really bad at doing that because I think, oh, I should just be able to be present with this person and I'm sort of forcing myself. Uh, we don't need to do that. We, we could just ask for something else to happen. So distracted. And then the next level is um, self-referential. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm really good at this, yeah? So this is like someone's telling you their, their uh, story and you're telling yourself your own story. So everything that they say immediately gets um, pumped through the machine of what that means to me in my life and the, all the things that have happened to me that are similar to that, what they're saying. And then the first thing to come out of our mouth is, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah? So we might think we're empathizing, but actually it's just about us in that moment. We're not really present to that person and what they're saying. We hear what they're saying and, and we can't really hear it, can we? Because we've immediately decided what it's about and it's about something that we have experienced. So, yeah, so this is just about really, if you find that happening in, the, in your mind as you're listening, you could just notice it. That's interesting. And then just really try and come back to the person and get really interested in the person and what they're saying. So it's just like in meditation with their thinking, yeah? So, and then the next one, this one's um, quite, in a, in a way, um, dangerous because it, it can seem like the right thing to do. So fix it listening. So this is where your friend comes to you with her problems or his problems and 
what you do is you solve them. Yeah, so you tell them everything they should do to get rid of that problem. And um, the problem with fix-it listening is, and it may even be that that person wants you to do that, and so they're, if they're, you're in this dynamic and there's some enabling going on, but, and it could be appropriate actually, like in therapy sometimes this can be quite appropriate, but actually um, the problem with this is that it doesn't support people to discover for themselves what is appropriate. And actually we don't know what is right for other people. We really don't. We may think we do, but actually we have no idea. All we can do is help each other to find that and discover that for ourselves. We can make suggestions. They might be good suggestions. They might actually work. But it's, um, it's limiting in terms of the amount of insight that that person can have into their own process. Okay. Um, yeah, and also about this one, it's uh, it can be really uncomfortable to sit with the contradictions. Yeah, so a friend comes to us and maybe they say one thing and then the next breath they say something totally the opposite of what they just said and it's a contradiction and they're not even aware of it. Um, and we don't want to sit with the tension of that. So we try and fix it, we try and, and get them to solution so that we feel better. Yeah? And we do this to ourselves as well. So we're trying to um, to stop colluding around jumping to solutions and answers and stay, help each other hang with the questions and the, and the contradictions. And then the last one is um, transformative or engaged listening. And this is where I would say really, um, in my experience, and I'm pretty new to this myself, but in my experience, um, it really boils down to two things. So it boils down to what are you noticing and what are you curious about? And how you can bring that into the group is through reflecting back. So I saw when you were talking about that experience, you were going like this with your hands. What's that about? Yeah, so just reflecting back or um, just repeating, literally repeating back what someone said without necessarily assuming what that meant. So just literally saying the words right back as they were, as they were shared. So what did you notice? And then the next is what, um, what are you curious about, which gets into the area of actually asking questions of each other. So um, I was just doing some insight dialogue yesterday with some women in um, Newcastle. And one of them was talking about how she noticed over the weekend that she had a really full weekend and she kept canceling everything because she kept just wanting to be at home and then she felt guilty about it. And she had said, um, she talked about what had happened on Friday night and then she talked about it on Saturday, about how it had happened on Saturday night. And she said, and then it happened again. And she said it kind of like, it felt really important that it happened again. It's like, wow, it happened again. So I just said, so what was that about for you? the fact that it happened again, what do you think that, um, that that means or something? I asked her, yeah, something quite open, like what is that about or what does that mean? And then this whole other thing came out that had, she hadn't brought in in her original reporting in that was actually what was underneath it all. So it's like asking, it's like picking up on, it could just be a very small thing that someone says or just a word they use and just asking about it um, and that can unlock something. Okay. So is this enough of kind of a framework for you to get started? Um, 
So you have the handout, and then you've got these kind of levels of listening. And then we have a structure to creating, creating the intentional space of insight dialogue. So um, I'm just going to say a little bit about that as well. So each group, we're going to sp split into groups. We're going to go all over the center. And um, each group is going to have a, a timekeeper. And how we're going to do this is each person in each group is going to have three minutes to just share. So without interruption. Um, you don't have to fill the three minutes. So if you just sit there in silence for three minutes, that's fine. Or if you just say <laughs> one thing, like marker, that's fine. Um, but you have those three minutes. And, and I'd say really for timekeepers to just hold on to those three minutes. Sometimes people can get a bit edgy and they say a bit and they talk for about 30 seconds and say, that's all I have to say. So start asking me questions. So I'd really encourage groups to hang with the tension of actually you've got three full minutes. If you feel like that's all you've got to say, let's just sit in silence and then maybe something else will emerge. Trust emergence, yeah, pause, trust emergence. So you've got three minutes to report in and I'm gonna share with you the question that you'll be using in a minute. And then you've got um, three minutes for some interaction so that's an opportunity for the other group members to either reflect back through um, noticing what did you notice or to ask questions through um, what, what are you curious about or interested in about what you heard from that person. Um, so does that make sense? So everyone has a total of six minutes where it's their time to be heard, to be um, supported by the group. Uh, broken into three minutes of just sharing and three minutes of, of a bit of interaction. And the timekeeper's role is to gently let us know when the three minutes are up. Yeah. So, are there any questions about, about any of that? Does the uh, timekeeper also have uh, three minutes? Yes. Yeah, the timekeeper also gets time, so then someone else would have to be the timekeeper. If you have a phone, that can be really useful because um, can, you can set timers on the phone so you don't have to keep watching the clock and then it just goes off. Did you have a question, Yipak Shapriya? How many people are in the group? I don't know yet because I'm not sure how many people are here. Not like three. Uh, no, it would be probably more like five. I think, but um, we're going to do that now. So now we're going to do a logistical thing, which is breaking up into groups. Yeah, so, um, so they're just suggestions for how to engage with each other. Um, so you don't have to use them in any particular way. They're just there to help support the dialogue. Yeah? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there are more handouts. Yep. So if, you, if you'd like a handout, maybe when we break for tea, I can, you can come up and I'll give you a handout. Yeah? So what I'd like to do actually is first tell you what the question is so you can kind of have that on you and with you. So the question is, um, how are you arriving in the practice or with the practice? Yeah, it's how are you arriving in the practice? So another way of putting it is, what are you bringing in? So last week I talked quite a bit about, let's just bring it all in. Don't, don't keep anything out. We're, our, the fullness of our lives, the complexity of our lives are, is always with us. And sometimes we come to meditation um, just thinking, okay, now I'm going to meditate. 
and none of that other stuff is going to matter or be there. And it always is there. So rather than fighting it, we're inviting it in, yeah? So this is an, an arriving question. This is a question about uh, what's present for you as you um, begin this course with others, as you begin to engage with the teachings. What are you, what are you bringing? With, how are you arriving? No, the practice, uh, the practices that we're introducing in the course, yeah. And my hope is that you've been doing the home practice, so you have a sense of how you've been arriving with the practice, but it could just be how you're arriving even tonight. Uh, we heard from Vanessa very eloquently some things about how she was arriving, so it could just be that, that simple just th this evening. And one thing actually um, you could do in your groups is you could do a very short, like three minutes of just pausing so getting back to what you were saying about how to use the steps, you could just uh, do a quick pause, relax, open. How are you arriving in this practice? Trusting something emerges from that question, listening to that, and then sharing it. It can, it can be very quick, actually. Just three-minute reflection, can, a lot can reveal itself. Um, okay. I think we're, we've got enough to get us, us going, and then we're going to be coming back to this every other week, so there'll be opportunities to continue to engage. So what I'd like to do, this might feel a bit awkward, and also because you're British, and I, sometimes I get in trouble. <laughs> like, I tried to introduce charades on a Breathworks training retreat, and it's like the worst idea ever. <laughs> so um, can I get people who've agreed to, to be timekeepers to just come up and stand in the front? This is just going to help me with knowing how many groups we can break into this evening. So that would involve um, Dharma Karunya and Artiketu and Dayanandi. Okay, good. And then, so uh, uh, that also involves everyone in my Mitra study group. <laughs> so if you're in my Mitra study group and you're like, I didn't sign up for this, then um, you missed the week that we talked about it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so these are timekeepers. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight timekeepers. Good. So we can break into eight groups. Have you given them any specific instructions? Then? No. Uh, basically, the instructions I just gave all of you are, are the instructions. There's nothing more to it. Can we have more timekeepers if we want smaller groups? Um, the problem is space. We can have several groups in here. So. Space and time, yeah. Yeah, so do you want to be a timekeeper? Are you um, offering? I'd, I'd like to be in a smaller group rather than a larger group. Yeah, okay, so let's just do a really quick count of how many are, in, are actually left in the room to see how big the groups would be. Hold on, don't distract me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start over. No one say anything. <laughs> Okay, so we've got about 30 people. So eight divided by 30 is four to five. So that should be all right. Is that okay? Yeah, so I did do the timings, although we are running. So we've got an hour. So you can go and get your tea and go straight to your group.
So six times five is a half an hour. So that should be fine, shouldn't it? A little bit of time here in between. Okay, so we're just gonna follow my lead because I did think this through earlier. No more doubting the teacher. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna just count off, there's eight of you, right? So we're gonna count off one to eight. That's how it's gonna go. And then I will um, assign each group a space, yeah? So one, two, three. Why don't you say your number? Because if, if I say it, you might forget it. Three, four. Helen, you're uh, six. Can you hear me, Helen? Oh, no. Helen? Can you hear me, Helen? Just about. Okay. So you're number six. Six. Seven? Yeah? Seven. Okay, good. Okay, so why don't you stay in here, Tamakunya? Yeah? Vajra Hall? What numbers are we? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> one. One. Lotus Hall. Two. Vajra Hall. Three. Um, meeting room? Okay. Four. Library? Five. Um, the outside area of the um, office, the MBC office. So the main MBC office. Okay. Yeah? Six. So you have the little meeting room in the MBC office. Seven. Um, so you'll go in reception. Tea room. Okay, did everyone hear that? You know where your groups are? Um, you know, ask Rich and he'll open it for you.